0: A dad recently told me the story of the first time his son shot a deer. They were out in the deer stand and they spotted a doe across the field. As the son took aim, a buck became to come into view. There's a buck over there, the dad excitedly told the son. It'll be in range soon, hold on. The son replied, that he wanted to go for the doe instead. No, 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 the buck is walking this way. See, the dad responded. The son turned to his dad and told him, dad, you can't eat the antlers. You see, this father had instilled in his son a value of eating what they killed and of respecting nature and the power of a gun. He told his son afterwards how proud he was of him that the dad had learned from his son. Because even though he had taught him one thing, when it came to the moment, the dad had forgotten his values. The antlers, a prize to be won, would do no real good other than for pride and bragging rights. What a gift, then, for the father's lessons to his son to live on past his own understanding. Eugenia Gamble writes in our summer series book that idols are not so much essentially evil as essentially useless. They may help us feel better or righteous in our serving them, but they make poor gods. When we think about idols, we often think about things that are inherently bad or obviously have detrimental effects. Money, phones, social media, and politics probably top the list of what most of us would mention as idols in today's times. And while these certainly can be idols in our lives, if we only name those things with more straightforward consequences, we can overlook the idolatry that seeps into our daily actions. Anything can become an idol if we give it enough sway, even something that is typically thought of as good or helpful, such as our families, our churches, our moral guidelines, or maybe antlers on a hunting trip. Anything that takes the place of God or that we look to for wholeness outside of relationship with God has the potential to become an idol. God calls us not to worship idols because God wants us to be whole. Idols create false ideas of who we and the world are called to be, separating us from the love that God wants for us. Gamble expresses her own struggles with the idol of exceptionalism, believing that she needed to stand out and excel in order to fit in and please others. Growing up, I felt like I needed to be involved in everything that I could, preferably in a leadership position. The goal was to get into a good college, to win awards and be accepted into honor societies, and then to get a good job. In adulthood, when awards and grades disappeared, I was left wondering what success looked like in the real world. Is it about money? Prestige, continued leadership at work and in the community. Somewhere along the way, I lost the ability to determine what I wanted to do and what felt important because it was impressive or expected. I've realized that after all of those years of feeling like I needed to be the leader of whatever organization I was part of, It's far more meaningful to be involved in fewer places that have more meaning for me. I've begun to ask myself, what do I have the capacity for? What brings me joy? And what would I like to do one day that can wait? There's nothing wrong with inherently with wanting to be successful. But when it comes at the expense of health, sleep or relationships or it leads to burnout it's time to pause and reevaluate. the pandemic gave many of us the opportunity to learn to say no and to appreciate a slower schedule as we bounce back into the thick of our commitments let us let go of the idols that we were prioritizing that made us say yes to everything John Calvin wrote, the evil in our desire typically does not lie in what we want, but that we want it too much. And this is different for each of us. For some, it's an excess of material items, alcohol, or time spent at work. Some struggle with over parenting and an attempt to give your kids a better, life than the one you had. Many in this world, especially as of late, have created idols out of political beliefs and views of morality. At the church, we can create idols out of our opinions on music, worship style, or long-standing programming. None of these commitments are bad in essence or often in intention. When we become so entrenched in our own worldview though, it limits our ability to form relationships and new ideas, and ultimately hinders our own growth into who God is calling us to become. In the second commandment god does not just stop at you shall have no other gods before me god goes on for three more verses to emphasize that we are not to bow down to anyone or anything that is not god showing a deep understanding of the human tendency to want to find the exception to the rule god outlines that there are real consequences when we place something above God. And this isn't because God is arbitrarily rewarding those who do well and punishing those who fall into the temptations of the world. When we are told that there are generational consequences to our actions, it's an acknowledgement. of the reality that our choices as both individuals and as a community reach far beyond our own limits. When we idolize a political figure, their policy decisions become law that far exceeds their term. The idolization of work ethic is passed along to our children and our coworkers. Even the idolization of the church as a building or as an institution can lead to exclusivity that leads to real harm and can keep people from wanting to experience a faith community. The distinction between celebration and idolization is particularly poignant today. This morning, as we celebrate Father's Day, we are still surrounded by gender discrimination. On this Juneteenth, when we acknowledge the last slaves hearing the news about their freedom, the idol of white supremacy continues to rampage throughout this world. On a Sunday morning, when we gather to be in worship and fellowship together, We also grieve yet another shooting due to gun violence, this one in Birmingham, Alabama at a church. Idolatry runs thick in our midst, causing harm even on the days that we celebrate life and freedom. We see this call against idolatry throughout scripture, both explicitly and implicitly. The golden calf, don't attempt to create God with human hands. Mary and Martha, don't idolize hospitality over relationship. Jesus in the temple, don't prioritize prophets over people. In Paul's teaching to the Athenians, he could see that they were a spiritual people who wanted to connect with a God, but their understanding of who God is was labeled as unknown. And Paul asserts that God, the creator, cannot be made by human hands and does not need anything from us. We, as God's offspring, are made in God's image and are much closer to who God is than stone or gold will ever be. In Christ, we see God's image clearly in ourselves and ourselves in God. We are called therefore to repent away from our idols, letting go of that which we cling too tightly to, and also, turning towards a relationship with God. To let go of our idols is to live into the life of wholeness that God wants for us. We desire lives full of relationship, joy, creativity, and abundance. We just often seek these things in the wrong places. God wants for us an abundant life that is full of more than just material things. We are called to name the unknown gods in our lives as false and instead turn towards the true I am. The God who creates us, names us as good, gives us new life, and sees us as more than just the sum of our successes and failures. May we all name the things which we individually and communally have turned into idols as the first step in repenting and turning towards a new way of living. Let us ask ourselves, where do I turn to for life? Is it truly life-giving or is it death-dealing for my relationship with self, others, and God? And with this, may we rest in the knowledge that we are already created as God's beloved and claimed as good. Let us look to find wholeness in the ways of God instead of in the ways of the world. And through this, we continue to proclaim the saving death of the risen Christ, in whom we live and move and have our being. Amen.